What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. What did I get myself into, right? And now I'm practicing toxicity, right? I'm practicing um, toxic behavior and cycles with holding things in, not talking about it, and then either being passive aggressive or just super aggressive, (laughs) but nothing in between. And then he has no idea what's going on because he doesn't know what I'm freaking out about. What you done seen, what you, what, what prompted you to start looking through his phone? I would always get like a feeling um, or he would touch me different, right? So after most rape victims um, are very sensitive to touch. And so any sign of him touching me, any type of, like any different, I'm like, there has to be some, (laughs) there has to be somebody else. There has to be, right? You're talking about with a change of a touch. With a change of a touch. There has to be, right? And so... I would go snooping around because I'm a snooper. I never imagined my public healing would inspire others to heal across the world. I thank you for using him to reach the world with a message of hope in relationships. But your life does not. God, you are my publicist. We laugh. (laughs) We share the unadulterated truth. He said, not only have I not divorced you, I ain't exposed you. We didn't marry fans, we married forever. And we wanted forever to act like a fan. Reveal her, Jesus. I will not compromise Mm -mm. on getting a woman of God. You don't have to. And Father, I declare for his future wifey, thank you for preserving her. This season, I declare miracles and manifestations. See, you're selling scripts. And you're unique. You ain't like nobody else. I I noticed that right away. You being true to who you are, you're going to attract. It's a Hebrew word, chayil, and it was translated wealth. And it means people. It means men. It means resources. And it means means. I'm LaTaris R. Whitfield, and this is the Dear Future Wifey Podcast. Welcome to the Dear Future Wifey Podcast. I'm your host, Lataris R. Whitfield. Listen, are you still shacking up with us? If you're still shacking up with us, can we get a commitment? Hit that subscription button and subscribe. Make sure you turn on your notification bells so you can be notified about upcoming episodes. You know, this episode where this uh, season has been coined Miracles and Manifestation. We've been believing God to do some amazing things. Um, this episode is nothing short of of God's miraculous hand. 
Um, when I first was brought, when was, well, when I first met this young lady through social media, through some drama that she had encountered, I said, I, I want the opportunity to speak to her. And I just lightly threw that up to God. And a couple of years later, God would allow that to happen. Whew. Are y'all ready for this? Without further ado, welcome to the Dear Future Wifey podcast. My new homie, Danea Jackson. Hey, what's, what's up? going on? Hey, yes. Danea, you in here now? I, I am in here. You are on the yellow I couch. I am comfortable. I am on the yellow couch. You have treated me well since I've been here. Thank you. So tell me, what made you decide to do this? I mean, it's a lot of people that come and they've been DMing you and trying to get you to come on their platforms. Why have you said no to all of them and yes to the Dear Future Wifey podcast? One, um, because the Lord didn't give me permission to go on any, any other platforms. So I have to be obedient to him. And when you reached out to me, it was automatic, like, yes. And so here I am um, being obedient to the Lord. But second to that is that I haven't had an opportunity to have a voice or to have my voice heard. It's been drowned out with all of the noise, all of the drama surrounding my life and marriage and all of that. So... I appreciate you creating a safe space for me to come mm. and speak about my truth, my life, and allow my voice to be heard so that others can be healed and made whole as I testify. You know, on the podcast, we have a mantra. We say we keep it lit. We live intentionally and transparently. Yes. Are you going to keep it lit today? Lit all the way. All the way. Turned up. You and I have had some conversations in the pre-interview. We've been getting to know each other for about the last week and a half. Yes. And man, when I tell you, I've been blown away by your transparency, your vulnerability. You know, you know, and social media had this way of trying to make you look like you crazy. Yes. And when I met you, I talked to you. I was like, this girl, not only is she not crazy, she's absolutely brilliant. So wow. Wow. What, what was that? What was that about? Well, you know, I think the world did not see me for so many years, so they have nothing to go off of. Facts. And so they're seeing me for the first time when all of this crazy stuff is going on. And then I'm sitting up here talking about Jesus talking about a helmet of salvation so it's like oh she has lost her mind you know she is cuckoo for cocoa right. and i'm like i'm i'm saying i have a sound mind and i'm i know what's going on right now because i've been delving into the word i'm i'm discerning the time that i'm in from a spiritual state and right. now i'm trying to protect what sanity i do have with the word of god so i think that's kind of what fueled all of that they're trying to get a feel for who i am but you haven't always been a Christian. No. Let, let, no. Let, I want to take an opportunity to get to know you before we talk about what everybody wants to know. Because I want, I, like I said, I want to provide this opportunity for us to get to know you, yes. Denea, uh, outside of your spouse. Who is Denea? Denea is a girl from Denver, Colorado, born and raised. Um, I have some brothers, and two, three brothers and a sister. And while I was introduced to Christianity and actually did have some roots in in the church, you know, I had to figure out that my, my on my own. I had yeah. to identify with Christ and believing in him on my own. And so when I was younger, um, I had a belief in Christ, <laughs> but I felt like I was doing it more so because, that, you know, I, that's what I was supposed to do. Right. You know, you're supposed to believe in God. You're supposed to do this. And um, I'm very shy. Um, I'm very reserved and laid back. 
but then at the same time, you can get a side of me that's very just like, like, let's throw some spikes in your hair and like just go, you know, yeah. do something completely odd that nobody's expecting. So you kind of get a range there. And so that's me pretty much in a nutshell. Um, very reserved. I'm very loyal. Um, sometimes clearly to my own detriment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so um, that's a little bit about me. Well, when you say loyal to your own detriment, has that always been the case? I feel like I feel like it has, at least in my adult years, um, probably not so much as a child. But when I'm looking back on why that is, it's it stems back to a root of like rejection and, and abandonment that I had. And so as I grew up into my adult life, I definitely would say it was more in that in that aspect. So so we think about abandonment. What do you go back on when you hear yourself say, when I think about the abandonment that I've come from, uh, let's unpack that. Yeah. So abandonment um, with my father, I had teenage parents. My mom was 16 when she had me. My father was 18. They never really had a relationship per se. They were just supposed to be playing video games. <laughs> they were playing with other things. <laughs> Here you go. Merry Christmas, right? Because my birthday is in December, a couple days before Christmas. So oh, okay. Video games. Here I go. The present. <laughs> and so... You know, there's a, a little bit of rejection and abandonment there, right? Because I never really had parents that were a couple, yeah, right? And then in that, because of that, you know, there was some question about whether or not I was actually my father's oh, or not. Yeah. And so then I have that, even though I wasn't even born yet to receive that per se, but that's still affecting me because I, I grew up and found out about that. And then there was rejection. And then just the relationship that I had with my father um, growing up. I felt like he just wasn't as present as he could be or he would always um, not come through or follow through on his promises when he said he would do something. And so that all affected me. And then, boom, he died when I was 12. And so then, you know, I'm just left to try to figure out this thing on my own. And so there's abandonment, there's rejection there. And as I was younger, I used to be like a tomboy per se. Right. And I, yeah. and that was because I wanted the affection of my father. I had three, two brothers, um, at the time. And so they were playing football. He was their football coach. He was involved in all their activities. And I'm over here, you know, just this little chubby girl over here. You're chubby. You're chubby I, was back then. <laughs> <laughs> I was fat. You know? uh, <laughs> I was fat, you know, I was, I was, my mom was in culinary school at the time. So she was, practicing and, and I was, was eating. eating. <laughs> <laughs> he was helping to pass her assignments. Exactly. And so um, I would try to, you know, win his affection and his love by trying to be like a tomboy, like my brothers, like play, play football. I wanted to be on a football team. <laughs> my mom was like, absolutely not. But all of that stemmed from my childhood. And then that transformed as I grew older and then transformed into the relationship that everybody is interested in. So... Mm -hmm. <laughs> So um, did you deal with any type of childhood trauma when you think about it outside of abandonment? Um, so, again, my dad had did never follow really through on his promises. So when I would go over there, um, sometimes that would cause some issues between him and my stepmom. And then I would be at my grandma's house. And so you say it was caused issues like what? What do you mean? So they would just have like their little arguments or whatever. And I felt like it was always about me. But of course, I'm a child. so yeah. I don't know adult yeah. things at that time. But how I internalized it and what I carried with me is that, oh, this is about me being over here. 
Um, but now I'm over here. I'm disrupting their little family yeah. union. And, you know, my mom is over here and I feel like maybe she's jealous of my mom or something yeah. like that, you know. Mm-hmm. And this is all going on while I'm a child. So this is what I grew mm-hmm. up with with the capacity that I had. And so that was pretty much the main trauma that I had. Um, I didn't have another trauma until I was 19 where I was raped. And so I could, I still kind of include that in childhood trauma. So it's been an interesting thing with this season of the podcast. It's like almost every woman that has sat down on this couch during this season have dealt with sexual trauma, sexual assault, rape. Um, it was a, a statistic that I read that was one in five women uh, have dealt with sexual assault. And then now they said there's probably one in three or something like crazy. Absolutely. Um, what happened in that? Was it a, was it a boyfriend, a date rape situation, a relative or what happened? If you don't mind. So, yeah. So I was, I was 19. I was on summer from college actually. And I was going out to a party that I didn't tell my mom about I was, you know, doing my own thing and I went there and I did have an ex-boyfriend there and um, a couple other people, my my family, my brothers um, were there and their friends and things like that. And so we were all drinking, <laughs> having a good time. I was downstairs and um, one of one of the, the people there decided that they, you know, seen what they seen me and they wanted what they wanted. And so, um, I was grabbed from behind, I was pushed down and then, you know, there's that story of, of being raped, but everybody was upstairs. So they couldn't hear me downstairs, you know, in the, in the basement screaming, um, with over the music and all of that. So how'd you process that? Did you tell anybody? I did not process it. And so here, I did not process it at all. I didn't tell anybody. In fact, um, then I, I didn't go home that night. I actually stayed in that in the, in the house with my abuser, right? Um, well, my not like in the same place, but yeah. they were like upstairs, you know. Um, I was I stayed the night. I didn't tell my mom where I was at. Um, and I actually lied to her and told her, hey, I was at my uncle's house with. Uh, with my aunt and my my brothers and and so I never told her and I never told anybody else I actually held it for six years five years five years and then I briefly mentioned it to Derek at one point because I was he was talking to someone at the time and then um it came up like in the conversation I was like you know I was raped and this just triggered that and he was like what (laughs) <laughs> you know, so he didn't even find out till five years and it was just brief conversation. And then I never really dealt with it. I never got that therapy or counseling. And I didn't get that until I was 30, which at that point was about 12 years after the experience. And um, when I started unpacking it, I started to realize how much that single event really affected my life affected my sex life in marriage, affected my mental and emotional state, affected almost every aspect that I didn't even know that it was affecting. First of all, thank you for uh, sharing that. It's always hard for me to hear that. I've been, I'm trying to be present that because it just, it, I have a daughter. Yes. Uh, and one of the things that I always, I mean, it was just, I was super vigilant about that, you know, 
because uh, me and her mom wasn't together as my daughter was uh, matriculating through her adolescent years. And I was always like super like, who you dating? Who's this guy? I want to know. Like I was just on edge because I said I just never wanted my daughter to ever have to experience that and for me to have to <laughs> experience that yeah. because I don't know how I would have reacted and responded you know, um, it's hard. It's hard when you have girls. And um, a lot of times it happens with people that you know yeah. and that you trust. Right. So my abuser is somebody that I know um, or knew. <laughs> and and so your guard is automatically let down. It's not something that you can yeah. anticipate. So it's like, OK, you're doing the right thing, asking the questions where you're at, what you're doing. Yeah. But sometimes you have to be like, I don't care who it is. Uncle, brother, cousin. Yeah. <laughs> grandpa. Yeah. If you feel uncomfortable at all, I need you to let me know so then we can address it, you know, so. Again, thank you for sharing that. Um, hmm. Yeah. So um, you met your husband at what age and how'd y'all meet? At 19, we met at 19. We met in business calc class at Tuskegee University. Hold on. So you met him shortly after I did. your rape experience? I did three weeks. Three weeks? Three weeks after I met him in class. Yes. Right. And so then we add, we add on another layer, right? I went straight into a relationship. Um, even though it wasn't like immediately we started dating, but I met him and there was interest there. I went straight into that without even acknowledging dealing with the rape. I pretended like it never even happened and and got myself into a relationship unhealed. So what attracted you to Derek? Um, he's very charming. He's very charming. When you see him, he has a charisma and a presence about him that is just like, it sucks you in um, automatically. And so, and then he's very funny um, and so that humor drew me in as well. Of course, he has the looks to go with it. So <laughs> there's that. <laughs> so it's a perfect little balance yeah, of everything. Yeah, it's a perfect huh? balance of it all. <laughs> and so when you first saw him, did you just see him as somebody that, oh, I'm interested in him? Where, where is he pursuing you or y'all start off as friends and it evolved to something greater? Yeah, you know, so, so he, I actually was very quiet. Again, I'm, I'm pretty much pretty quiet overall. And to myself, but he see me in class. I was the quiet girl in class. And he was like, hey, um, are you a model? <laughs> I was like, um, I used to do some modeling, right? Because I had all these pictures of me doing some modeling stuff from um, high school and all that on my little binder. Yeah. You know, I'm still having this high school mentality with all the pictures <laughs> on the binder. So I'm like, this is cool. I'm going to put all these pictures, collage on here. Right. <laughs> and so I had all that on there. And he was like, what you did you model? And I was like, you know, I used to do some modeling. And he's like, can you be a, can you tutor me? And I was like, yeah. So right? you weren't just a quiet girl. You was a smart girl too. Yes. Quiet and smart. <laughs> right. And, um, I had these crazy braids in my hair that were not upkept. I had <laughs> pimples all over my face. So it's like one of those classic movies where it's like that, the ugly duckling smart girl in the corner. And then all of a sudden, look at this face, you know, <laughs> you know, are you right? And so it was like one of those classic fairy tale kind of stories in that regard. But um, he asked me to tutor him. We met up in the library and, you know, I'm sitting on, I'm so awkward. 
He's like, I, I'm sitting on the opposite end of the table, and I'm just like this. You're way across. Yeah, the way across, and I'm just like, okay, are you ready? And he's like, why are you, why are you so like stiff? Like, why are you sitting that far? Like, <laughs> what's going on? And I'm like, oh, okay, <laughs> you know, <laughs> oh, it is okay to like be a little bit closer. It, had it you not okay. been in a relationship before then? I you have had a boyfriend. I, been, I had yes, I had had a high school boyfriend. Yeah, and um. But it was so, I went to an all-white high school. Okay. So, okay, let's put this in some context. <laughs> I went to all-white high school pretty much. There were some black people there, of course, but it was different than going to all-black college. So. Oh, uh, yeah, the culture shock. Culture shock, right? And so. You said, where just, all this swag coming from? Right. These guys I don't even know what this means. Like, I don't know what that is, you know. It's different in, in a more diverse or lack yeah. of diverse <laughs> school. And so. It was an adjustment <laughs> all around. <laughs> and so I got used, I had to get used to that because he introduced me to a whole new world of black culture. I got my black stripe <laughs> going to Tuskegee and being in this relationship. So, <laughs> And so how did it transition from you being his tutor to uh, him tutoring you in some things? <laughs> that is good. That's good. I did get to, I got schooled. Okay. For years. No. Um, <laughs> we, after the tutoring, we, all, we were having conversations n nearly daily. Like the first three days, it felt like I know him for the, my whole life. Yeah. And literally we were on the phone, sleeping on the phone, like those first three days, three days, having all kinds of conversations. And it was like, oh my gosh, I've, I've known you all my life. This is a fairy tale. I love you. You know, like when are we getting married and having kids? Like it was all well, of that. This where you're saying this. All of the Y'all were talking about yeah, marriage and stuff? Not necessarily marriage, but it was definitely having like, I, I, I like you. Like the, you, I've known you my whole life. I, this is so easy. Yeah. Like where have you been? Yeah. You know, this is right. <laughs> Here in this 19 moment. 19 years old. Yes. <laughs> Where have you been all my life? Exactly. All the 19 years of my existence. Exactly. All 19 years of my life. I miss you. <laughs> I love you. This is what, you know? And so it was great. It was, <sighs> it was, ex it's pure ecstasy. And, and so from there, we spent pretty much every day together. And um, about one month after just meeting, he asked me to be his girlfriend on Valentine's Day. So that was like our unofficial uh, anniversary, anniversary. Yeah. for years. Um, yeah, he had this big old heart and he had his shirt off and he was like, will you be my girl? <laughs> he had his but, shirt off? Yes. He was fine too. I was like, <laughs> yes, Denea, look at you. Everybody so, thought so, you were a nerd, but here you go. That's what I'm about saying. What would people think? And here you were, this quiet little nerdy girl that you said that had pimples all over your face. But then you get the doesn't match. The, yeah, you get the the, the sexy. What, what did he play football? He and did anything? play football. So you got the sexy jock. Like, yeah. like what, what was that about? Fire. Like for me, <laughs> that's what I was thinking. Like, listen, Danae, you have upgraded. You are you are coming into it, right? And so. Um, I think a lot of people, I think there was a lot of hatred overall. Yeah. You know, people, most people didn't say a whole lot, but I think there's a lot of hatred <laughs> about it. And then there, it's like, it doesn't match because he <laughs> is more outgoing yeah. and personable. And I'm just like, <laughs> you know, huh? you know, the awkward, literally awkward black girl that went to an all white high school. So there's a balance <laughs> there. What do he see in you? Because um, he had to have said that to you before. What did he see in you? He, well, 
Okay. So he said that he liked that I was like smart and of course he loved my eyes. And I feel like now, like looking back at on it, I feel like there was a lot of um, compliments on like the physical attributes as opposed to more of the uh, mental and emotional attributes that I had. But then again, you know, we were in love after three days. So... <laughs> Seriously. And so, it was, so, you, so you weren't chubby no more in, in college, huh? I was. I still had a little bit of chub. I was in the marching band for a little bit, so I was. Um, I had slimmed down a little bit um, there, but I still had a little bit of weight on me. But it was proportion. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you know. Because enough for him to like her. <laughs> enough. Listen, he did not complain, and I wasn't complaining either. So. <laughs> There's that. <laughs> There's that. Three days we in love. We're we gonna love. get married and have a bunch of kids. Absolutely. Listen, I made him them peanut butter jelly sandwiches. He was listen, you ain't going nowhere. I white or wheat. I made white, white or, or wheat. <laughs> so you whatever. like the crust yeah, on yeah, what? Yeah, you trimmed a little crust around the side. I sure did. Real story. <laughs> Cut into a little heart and give it to him. This exactly. anniversary sandwich. I, I, exactly. I actually really did that, believe it or not. Uh, no, we always story. we always try to do the best we can with whatever gesture we had at that moment. Yes. So I love it. I love that they call it puppy love. Yes. I love I love that moment. And so y'all were in college together. Uh you were nineteen. Are y'all around the same age? Yes, he was nineteen as well. He's five months older than me. Five months older than you. Y'all both nineteen. Y'all both in college. Um and when did it change from dating to engagement how long did that take nine years nine years yes we got married nine years later nine years later so it's a long time that's a long time <laughs> but it, it makes sense when you start off at 19 yes you know it's by so you got married around 28 yes about 28 yes, I was, uh that's how old i was and i got married so you're 28 years old and um y'all we're in a committed relationship. Were there any infidelity or cheating during that nine years? I can't really say commit. Commitment is a big word. So let's <laughs> let's tone that down a little bit. <laughs> commitment is a big well, word. We got to tone the word commitment down. We do. Y'all's in a relationship. <laughs> we got to tone it all the way down. Okay, we're going to tone it, it down. down to the nail. We're gonna so call it. we're going to call it um, a situationship. <laughs> y'all's in a situation. We was in a situationship for a long time. So y'all never, so when y'all, so after three days in love, y'all didn't say, let's make it official? We were technically official, but there was a lot of on and offs again, right, in that. So that's why I say when we talk about commitment, we got to tone it all the way down. <laughs> we got to go back to the elementary <laughs> level of of the of the word and, and start at the beginning. Yeah, start at the beginning. And, okay. And... Yes, there was commitment at times. At times. At times, but there was a lot of on and off again, okay, and through college and even after college, um, lots of on and off again. And so leading up to our marriage, we were actually off, right? We were actually off. Um, we were living in North Carolina at the time, 2015, going into 2016, late 2016, we went our separate ways because there was other people involved and there had already been other people involved even in college right and so be specific that, other people what you mean other women there was did, art. did you ever have other guys that you were dating i there was okay in college there was a guy um fabian who i was you talking to man name you didn't say the man name fabian <laughs> mind his own business listen, he's watching a, the dear future white podcast oh not, dog, go, he's, he's not he is he is no longer with us unfortunately oh, okay okay god um, rest his soul yes and so um in college there was 
that, but it wasn't necessarily a boyfriend girlfriend relationship. I actually had used him to <laughs> set. No, I did. I used him to set Derek up because I was tired of him being with all these girls and catching him and going through his phone and watching him do all of his stuff with these girls. And I was like, and I was working with this guy and I was like, listen, I need you to help me to get him back. <laughs> and I want to set this up we're going to make it look like we're, you know, this great couple, <laughs> like I'm cheating over here and all this. So he helped me. He was, you know, he did. And <laughs> so what you do? So how'd y'all set it up? So we had doing? the same car. We had the same type of car, which was a Subaru, one of those like Fast and Furious type of cars. Oh, you get one of those. You had some little money growing up. Listen, my uncle, my uncle is a car guy. Okay. And so he gave me a car because I was straight A student, clearly. <laughs> Look at my pimples and my straight A's, right? And so he had gave a me a car. Subaru. She yes. was fly on he, campus. I had a 2000 Subaru Impreza and yeah. we had, it was blue. And we had the same car. He His was just like two years old. You said um, you and Fabian. Yeah, we had the same car. So we were, uh, I would set up times for us to go race. And um, we worked together. So clearly I was at work when I wasn't in class. So there's that. <laughs> and then I would set up times where like I would be like, like, let's meet up at this place. And, you know, I knew Derek would find out about it. And I wanted him to because I wanted him to pay. You wanted him to be jealous. I wanted him to. Like I've sat there and watched I mean, literally looked through his phone and watched him have sex with other girls. On the phone? On the phone. Like, I literally watched it. And so that was cr soul-crushing. You know, at that time, this is well before we're married, but I I've seen it multiple times, multiple girls, several. You know, this is just in college. We're not talking even about marriage. Yeah, after that. Yeah, we're going to get there in a little bit. We're <laughs> right? going to talk about straight college. How did and we get so here? there was a lot of anger and bitterness, and I never once really confronted him about it. I always kind of like sat on it and just buried it. Um, mostly be, I feel like now I'm looking back on it, it was a fear of rejection yeah. and abandonment. Because you feel like if you spoke up, he's going to leave. Yeah, exactly. And I'm like, I don't want him to to leave me. Like, <laughs> you yep. know, so I have to just take this. But then at the same time, it was creating this deep-seated hatred and resentment yep. and spitefulness. And so here I go, setting him up. <laughs> and it well, worked. Fabian, Fabian. So what? So how y'all set it up? So we would be at work conspiring, and there's actually a group of us, right? We would be at work conspiring, and um, I'm coming over, like let let me let me come over to your house, you know, <laughs> after after this, or I'm gonna come out late, or I'm gonna tell him that I'm with uh, all the all the girls, but we're gonna like link up and do this, so he can. I want him to see it. I want him to catch it. I want him to feel. <laughs> Everything that I have been feeling with all these women, the all these girls that he's been with, I want him to feel all of it. And I and I'm here for it. And then you what know? happened? Well, years <laughs> later. Years I'm, later. Years later, I'm still dealing I was still dealing with the effects of it because I never really like confessed to setting him up until like way <laughs> way, way later. Like So you and Fabian never did nothing? No. Y'all ain't kiss, y'all ain't do nothing. No. And so you just kept that lingering for years as if y'all really did something. Yes. I wanted him to, I wanted Derek to feel all of it. And so what did he catch you doing? Just walking out of his apartment one day? Um, I honestly, I don't know what he really caught, caught me doing. He never really told me what he caught me doing, but, um, I know that he, he's at least <laughs> seen us, um, doing some racing. I know he's seen us maybe like, going to like a meetup point and all of that. So um, 
So he never, stuff, he never confronted you about that and was like, I know you're not, cheating on me with, with Not Fabian. in college. No, that wasn't, this was, we're in marriage when we were dealing with unpacking that. And then he was like, you were cheating on your husband. And I was like, mm, okay, I'll, okay. <laughs> Maybe I was emotionally cheating. Okay, I'll give you that in college. Uh, nine years before we ever got married. So I didn't cheat on my husband, you know, but it was like, no, you cheated on your husband while we're in marriage. I'm like, no, 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 no. You can't use that because we weren't married at the time. So did you have an emotional affair with old Fabian? Did you like him? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, I did not. I was dealing with I was dealing with um some severe heartbreak, like the things that I seen Derek doing yeah. with other other women at the time. And I was really um attached to him and then you have to think I was coming off of that rape trauma. Yep. And so I never that I never dealt with, that I never talked to anybody with about. And so there was a lot of turmoil that I was having. I wasn't necessarily I wasn't thinking about, oh, Fabian is this guy that I'm trying yeah. to be with. I'm thinking, how am I going to get this guy back? But I, then at the same time, I don't want him I don't to leave. I want to lose him. Yep. You know, but You want to feel the pain but don't lose him. Right. And it's like, what? Could, but then you're not even speaking about speaking up about what you saw. Exactly, right? So these are all the issues that I brought into the the, the relationship. Lack of and communication. And the fact of not speaking up was the same thing that you practiced when you were sexually assaulted. Exactly, exactly. So it just carried it carried over, and I didn't realize the power of not speaking about the rape trauma until well after the fact. And I'm like, wow, what did I get myself into? What did I get myself into, right? And now I'm practicing toxicity, right? I'm practicing um, toxic behavior and cycles with holding things in, not talking about it, and then either being passive aggressive or just super aggressive, yeah. <laughs> but nothing in between. And then he has no idea what's going on because he doesn't know what I'm freaking out about. And what you done seen, what you, right. what, what prompted you to start looking through his phone? I would always get like a feeling um, or he would touch me different, right? So after most rape victims um, are very sensitive to touch. And so any sign of him touching me, any type of, di like any different, I'm like, there has to be some, <laughs> there has to be somebody else. There has to be, you You're right? talking about with a change of a touch. With a change of a touch. There has to be, right? And so I would go snooping around because I'm a snooper. <laughs> And when you seek, you shall find. That is a true <laughs> biblical verse. So if you don't believe in the word of God, listen, <laughs> let me tell you, when you seek, you will find. And when you find, you have to know what to do. And what's um, so bad about it? People will find something, but then they not they won't do nothing about it. Exactly. Because and, they weren't prepared to leave. And that was me. You was like, I'm going to find it. I'm going to bust them. And then like, what you going to do? Because you're not going to even tell them that you bust them. I did absolutely nothing. <laughs> Sit there, cry. And I, okay, this is how I'm going to get a little bit serious, right? Okay. I would seek and I would find, I would sit in closets and cry and I would be in there wanting him to find me in the closet crying. And when he would come and find me in the closet crying, and then I would say, you know, oh, um, I'm just crying because I miss my dad. You know, I would <laughs> blame it on something else. And they would always mostly be about my dad. Like, oh, I'm crying. But it's really because I just sat here and watched you have sex with, you know, or, or, you know, right? So. Now, Danae, there ain't no real people name, is it? I don't want you throwing people name out here. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> 
so <laughs> we're just gonna we're keep gonna make, on going. We're gonna make fake names up. Okay, we're gonna make fake. We're fake making all kinds of fake names up. <laughs> okay, thank you. right now, all fake. <laughs> all fake names. All fake names. Okay. <laughs> so, so so you watch them have sex I'll, with Sue. Yeah, yeah, and Sue and, yeah. and Jane and Jade and um Sheila. <laughs> That's a fake name, right? I don't know. That's a fake name. That's a fake name. That's <laughs> but, not a real um, person. Seriously though, I would sit there and watch that, especially in college. I would literally sit in closets or I would sit on the side of the uh, of the dresser and um be crying and I want I would I would be there and I would stay there in that space until he came back where like from wherever he was and he could find me and then he can console me but he didn't really know he was consoling me about his indiscretion as opposed to the lie that I told him right right and so all of that is toxic behavior um and I had to go back and really deal with that later on once I started to realize that hey Janae you are not well you you are not okay and really deal with why I was doing that and unpack it so and so on again, off again, situationship, commitment, lack thereof, um, nine years, you go through this. And you said right before y'all got married or got engaged, I wasn't even together. Please help me understand that. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, what would you do if you had an extra hour in your day? Would you take up a new hobby, catch up on some sleep, complete reading the book you've never had time to finish but always promised that you would? Did you know the best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is by knowing what's important to you and making it a priority? Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I couldn't have become the person I am today without therapy, to be honest with you. My vulnerability and transparency were cultivated in therapy and it served as a foundation in which the beloved Dear Future Wifey podcast was built. Now, as you know, relationships of all kinds are important to me. Therapy helps with learning positive coping skills, managing expectations of myself and others, and most importantly, establishing healthy boundaries. Oh boy, life is stressful, ain't it? Now, therapy is the safe space to recalibrate and recenter. Now, can I be transparent with you? Since the inception of this podcast, I've always wanted to do this right here for better help. Why? Because so many of you reach out to me seeking referrals for therapy services after each episode. My heart has been overwhelmed by the outpouring of you desiring help to show up better in life. And guess what? I believe the world is a better place with better help. It's entirely online, too. Designed to fit your schedule. Learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Wifey today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Wifey. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. 
Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Yeah, so um, before we moved to Atlanta, um, we were off. We we got off because he was dealing with some girls and things like that, and it was a, a issue. <laughs> and um, at that point, I was very like hostile and all that towards him just like I'm not gonna deal with this and you're a, you know f boy and all these things yeah. right I had some different kind of choice words and language at that time mm-hmm. and then the Lord saved me my mouth <laughs> thank God for deliverance <laughs> um I think a lot yeah. of people give you a pass on whatever <laughs> word you decide to um, use back then but no I, I, at that time I had asked him I was like do you believe the things that you're saying right because this is at the beginning of his career really like taking off and I'm like do you believe the things that you're saying and it really caused a rift and so we were off and so that time that we were in that time that we were off we were we were still messing because around. you questioned whether or not he believed that which he was uh sharing with the masses on avoiding f boys and that type of stuff y'all fell out because you you asked him if he I, truly I, believed what he was saying I asked him that yes yes we it was a big thing and we did fall out um along with the fact that there was actually other girls at the time and so it was just all too much and so we end up ending that and then we we both end up moving to Atlanta (laughs) right from there how y'all keep moving to the same place so Ty listen people underestimate the um power, power of, of a soul, soul tie, tie. Yep. and it's a soul tie and i had no idea what that was at the time and neither did he right and so so it was like who would move there first did you find yourself following well, after him or well, just no so we had we had actually planned to move there prior to because we were living in raleigh north carolina at the time we had already planned to move there but there was so much i had caught him with some other girls the girl actually reached out to me sent me their conversations and their pictures and all this stuff and i was freaking out on him and then we're like, okay, this has to end. So we had already planned so to move. So at this time you were 27? We no, I, we were early 20s. Yeah, so about 24, 24, 25, 25. All right, so y'all lived in Raleigh around yeah. that time, moved to Atlanta. Yeah, we moved to Atlanta, and we had already had that in the works. The I had already transferred jobs. We just hadn't made the move yet. So it was just, it Y'all going to move together at right, first. Right, Even though y'all not in a committed we're gonna use that word loosely again were y'all in the co- we were we were in technically a committed relationship when we were in raleigh north carolina okay. living together when y'all was making but, the plan to move together right when we were making a plan to move together we were moving together like as yeah, a unit as a couple um but we ended up falling out before then and so while the plans were still on to move i had already transferred jobs, jobs. you know he already had whatever he had going on and so made the move my mom came down and she helped me uh, drive down to Atlanta. I had my own little space. Anyway, we were still engaging sexually, um, even though we were off, right? And so it, it was in this time where there was, listen, there was a lineup of us. We were passing each other on the stairway in and out. No, y'all wasn't. We, listen, no, y'all was not passing you, think this, each, you think this is a game. You were not passing each other on the stairway. No, y'all was. We were passing each other on the stairway. Like, this is my shift from this time to this time. So, you know, I was a willing participant in that. And this is like, I can laugh about it now, but at this, it's really sad, you know, to like what space do you have to be in to yeah. accept that. And so 
I dealt with it already, so I could laugh about yeah, it now. Yeah, and it's that's, funny, that's what but it's like, like right? you look back at your old self but and laugh. I'm just like, what? Yeah. You know, but yeah, no, seriously. It was, you know, I'm coming over at this time. I know such and such is gonna be rolling through about, you know, an yeah. hour and a half later. Yeah. And sometimes we went a little bit longer, so n- literally passing each other on the stairs, like out the door. <laughs> All right, have fun, you know, your shift. You know? <laughs> And, and um, <sighs> literally, and so there was a lot of people involved at that time. We, again, we weren't in a relationship. So all the people that like committed relationships. So I was just on the rotation at the time and I ended up getting pregnant with our first child. And it was in that I was like, okay, Danae, I, I, you got to figure out what you're doing with your life. <laughs> you yeah. are whole pregnant and you can't get rid of this child because I had already had three abortions before and the Lord had already dealt with me. And I was like, Lord, if you save me from this, I'm not going to ever do this again. Got pregnant. I was like, ah, I can't go back on my word, Lord. I don't want you to kill me, yeah. <laughs> you know, but um, so I, I started, okay, I got to figure out what I'm doing with my life. And, um, then I started getting a little bit more serious. Like, what are we doing? He was still doing, you know, stuff with other girls. I knew about it. So I did still participate in some sexual activity and all that, knowing that he was with other girls. I was a willing participant. Um, but it did start to take a toll on me mentally and emotionally because I'm pregnant. Yeah. Right. So there was a lot of women involved in that time. And it was in that time that I had a conversation with his mom. And I was like, listen, I don't have another seven years to give him. I'm trying to figure out, figure this out. And like, I want to be with him. I want to do this, but I don't have another seven years to give him. So he has to figure out what he wants to do. And then shortly after that, um, I'm getting a call from my mom and she's like, um, I just got a call from Derek asking me for your hand in marriage. I thought you were not in a relationship. I was like, we're not, you know, we're we're doing this co-parenting thing, you know? And she's like, okay, so what are you going to do? And so I actually knew about the engagement, which she didn't know about, but I actually knew about the engagement and all that because my mom told me um, about it. She was asking me these questions because she was like, I thought you weren't in a relationship. And I'm like, we're, we're not, you know? And so I had to figure out, okay, he's being serious. He called my mom. They did that make even, you excited? How'd it you did. Feel? I, I was so excited because I'm like, he called my mom. My mom and him, like, they they don't... They don't, they don't, they don't mess with each other. no. And so he he humbled himself. He called my mom and asked for my hand. I mean, she's serious about me. It's meant to be. Absolutely. So excited. And so, yes, I was so excited um, about it's meant it. meant to be. Yes. He called my mom. He don't even know mm-hmm. what that means, right? He called my mom. They don't even get along, first off, like that. So that meant a lot Why why, why didn't they get along? I left my phone in his car when I first met him, and he called her and that conversation didn't go well so so ever since then it's just been like a battle between between them and I've kind of been in the middle of it and um it created a lot of anxiety in the relationship so I actually I actually um isolated from my family a little bit and just kind of was doing my thing being grown and and being involved with his family mostly and so he you you get a tip that he's going to propose. How did he propose? All of our family was there. All his family was there. Um, my mom and my brother flew in, and um, we had like a little housewarming party because we had just moved into a new house, and um, 
So y'all got back together then. So after yeah. after the tip off, how did he come back around and 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 say, "Hey, can we be back together?" So I, I my lease was up in my apartment, and so we were actually technically still off, but I didn't have anywhere. I was like, I'm like, if I my lease is up, I'm not about to renew it. So I'm either going back to Denver, or I'm coming <laughs> to stay with you. Um, I'm trying to. I want you to be here for the baby's birth, and it was right around her the time that she was going to be born. So we need to figure this out. So I ended up moving moving in basically with him in the house that he was in. And um, that's we never really officially said, like, we're back together. It was just, like, implied we're back together, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so there's never a conversation like, yes, we're doing we this. We go together, circle yes or no. It was just like, we're, we're, together. We're, we're together. And so that's how that happened. And then I got the call, and I was like, okay, we're, we're together. And I just, we're rolling with that. And it felt great. I was all on board with it. I was excited. He Again, he called my mom. He called your mama. What? Humility. Right. And so that's how that happened. And so all of our our family came in and we were celebrating this housewarming because we just moved into this new house. So the plot was, oh, we're celebrating the housewarming, but everybody else knew, hey, engagement. But little, I knew too. <laughs> and so he um, had the song play and it was like right at like right before midnight and it came on and he gets down on one knee and he's like proposing to me and I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> it was all, all, all this pain I went through. Yes, it was, it's paying off. Yeah, yeah it's paying off. Uh, you know, it. weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. All you the thought joy. that was your morning. All the joy. Yeah. You know, the bragging that I did. <laughs> Mrs. My ja man, my man, my Mi man. Mrs. Jackson, okay, Mrs. Jackson, okay. If you're nasty, that's what I, that was my thought. That's for, your thought right? process. Listen, I I got saved, <laughs> you know. Mrs. Jackson, if you're nasty. But yeah, the bragging that I did, right? And so it was it was great. Like it was like everything everything is coming. I have a, I'm getting having a family now. Yeah. I'm gonna be married. I'm about I had I had had our baby already. She was two months um, by the time that happened, and she had this little. Will you marry me? Are you sign. talking about so when he proposed? You, you, you already had the child. Yeah, I had her had our <coughs> baby. Um, she was two months old. He she he had her in this little. Um, will you marry me, bib? It was great. <laughs> like everybody, everything was involved, and it was great. I loved it. Every aspect of it. And it's like, this is everything I've wanted and been asking for and dreaming of my whole life. And just through this relationship. And I won out of all these women. You about to say another word. <laughs> the Lord is bridling my tongue. I I am <laughs> he is bridling my tongue. I won out of all these women. So here I am, you know. So it almost gave me like this false sense of um accomplishment. confidence uh, and accomplishment. Right. Yeah. And so, but you couldn't tell me that at the time. So, <laughs> and at the time, we put this in perspective. You're about what, 28, yeah. 27? Yeah, I was like, right. I had just celebrated my 28th birthday. Yeah, and so you're 28 years old, and then so now, um, how long did it take from "Will you marry me?" to "I do"? Um, we it was right at a year. So we got married January 13th, 2018, and. Um, that was a long year before marriage. <laughs> There's a lot of stuff that went on in there. We tried some marital counseling. We did not finish that. There was, you know. You said premarital counseling pre or marriage? Premarital counseling. Y'all didn't finish our premarital counseling? No. Why not? Um, There was a lot of issues that arose. So as we were doing the counseling, I started to come out with a lot of the hurt that I was hiding, hiding um, from 
pre from college days. I started to come out with that and how it made me feel. And it was a lot, I think, for him to <laughs> handle all of that. Like, oh my these God, are things, how do you know all this stuff? Right, like, oh, how do you, how do you know? Right. How do you know? But then also like, why are you just now telling me and, about and you this? still here? Right. <laughs> like, you know all that. You still <laughs> Right. And so um, it was a lot to for me to just like be like, and you did this and you did that. And I feel like I did do a lot of shame and blame blaming in communicating all the things that I had been holding on to. So it was a lot for him to handle in that time. But anyway, it was all of that. He was like, I'm not, we're not, I'm not doing this anymore. So we never finished. And then, um, yeah. And then here we go in the marriage. So, <laughs> so you said I'm not, he said, I'm not going to finish marriage counseling, but we're going to continue going on with the, the, well, the wedding. It was looking a little bleak at first. Right. Because at that time I had went back to the gym and started working out. And then I had a male trainer, and so then at the time that we're going through premarital counseling, then it's like, oh, you're talking to your male trainer, you know, <clears throat> and you're having a relationship with him. You're trying to hide it from me. And I'm like, you know, I'm all these things. And so I'm like, I'm I'm not trying to hide this from you. Uh, like you can you see him. We go to the same gym. You can have a conversation with him. His wife is a trainer at the gym, too. Maybe I should ask for his wife to like I didn't even choose the trainer, you know, but basically it became an issue. And so then that became the focus as opposed to like me having a male trainer and what I'm doing over here <laughs> um, became the focus of the conversation. And be clear, did you have anything inappropriate with the trainer? I did not. And and did he ever like say, well, you need to have a female trainer then? He did not, but I took it upon myself. I went to the the little desk and was like, hey, I need to change trainers. And then um, the trainer was like, well, like, well, did I do something wrong? Whatever, <laughs> can we have a conversation? I was like, there's nothing that you did wrong. It's just I got to do what I need to do, and I need a woman. And so then I got another trainer, Serena, and she got my whole life together <laughs> after that. But um, yes. That became the focus. There was a lot of issues that came from that and pretty much started the triggered the toxic behavior in him pretty much triggered the toxic behavior in him to where now we have all these things going on in our marriage. So such as you said triggered what you said that triggered what to find to accuse you of infidelity to give him a pass to cheat on you. Essentially. Like, so, so me bringing up all these things and then him ha feeling or accusing me of having this relationship with the trainer, which I did not have, <laughs> um, but allowed him basically like, okay, I'm being disrespectful, like in his mind, I'm being disrespectful, I'm being unappreciative, he's done all this changing and actually asked for me to marry him and here I go, <laughs> you know, just bringing up all this stuff from the, <laughs> from the past <laughs> Uh, you know, and was he, would you say he was on his best behavior during that time? Define best behavior. <laughs> okay. Okay. So if we're talking about, okay. Yeah. So we have to define best behavior. Okay, we're going to define say, it as not messing with other women at this point. Okay. We're going to have to define that too. Okay. So listen, okay. I'll put it this way. <laughs> were there women that he had, um, still had contact with in some way that he's had, a sexual relationship with or some sort 
those people were always there. They, he was always constantly having um, a, a, at least a, a minimum a dialogue with them. Okay. Like if they were friends. And was it discussed that he would no longer have those conversations with people in whom he had sexual relationships with? No. So that wasn't discussed until after I left the marriage um, for eight months. That wasn't discussed until after that. So, but going into marriage, no, there was not really a dialogue about like, hey, all these people that you've had a relationship with or whatever in the past, like all of them need to cut out. You ain't no friends. <laughs> there was not, <laughs> there was no dialogue about that. I didn't have any boundaries right. or barriers. Even, I didn't even, even know what that was. I didn't even know what a boundary was. Exactly. Like, what is that? I didn't yeah. have any standard or like, I didn't even know that was a thing that you can actually request <laughs> or not even request that you implement, you know? <laughs> so, um, yeah, I had no, there was none, there was none of that. So was there people that he had as at least a minimums, um, a conversation with that he, has had sex with or has some type of dealings with, those people had always been there at, at minimum in conversation form. As far as um, having a sexual encounter, to my knowledge, there wasn't a whole lot going on. But then again, um, not too long after our marriage counseling, premarital counseling failed, he met up with um, Don't a, that no a relative. I was it. Okay. I was bridling. I was thinking... <laughs> uh, uh, a, with Shaniqua Thomas right, and, a, uh, no. a relative in um well supposed to, like a distant relative it's like one like you know their cousin married my dad so that's my cousin type of thing situation but like a relative essentially claiming as a relative they met up and but they this is somebody that he had had a conversation or like sexual conversations with and things like that in the past sexual conversations they sexual, didn't have sex he says that they had never had sex. It didn't go past their their sexual conversations and things like that. But they did meet up um, not too long after the marital counseling, um, the premarital premarital counseling that we had. So you don't know what happened. If anything happened, they just met up to just... right, right. So outside of that, I don't, I don't know when something did happen. Uh, let's see, that was like a couple weeks before we got married. <laughs> couple of weeks before we got married and um, I didn't even think we were going to get married because it was such a big blow up. And so he got his hair cut by a girl that he used to have sex with. And um, she posted a picture on Instagram with hearts. He was standing behind her and he had, there's hearts surrounding them. And I lost it on him. I lost it. I did not use any kind of biblical words at all. <laughs> and um, I didn't even know biblical words at that time. So <laughs> I lost it. <laughs> and, you know, at that point, it kind of triggered, like, he was like, you don't trust me. Like, um, you're supposed to be able to trust me. Like, <laughs> I'm not even doing, I needed my haircut because I'm trying to make a living for us. Like, this is important. There was nobody else available. And I'm like, you didn't even tell me about this. You, at minimum, you tell me that you have to get, get a haircut and you didn't even do that. Not only did you not do that, you hid it from me. You sent the, the haircut appointment confirmation to the work email and I run, I'm running your, your business, your, your emails. Uh, what kind of, Right. And so it was at that point where I blew up where I was like, okay, I need to get help. I got to figure out myself. And I actually got therapy. I, I got three therapists. I was all. You got three? three. Why do you need three? I need all three. <laughs> all three of them. I got one of them missing up, the other one pick it up. Exactly. And that up. Yes. And I did that for about three months until I settled on one. And then I was with her <laughs> for about a year and a half. 
Yes. So you said this was a couple of weeks before y'all said I do? Yes. And then after you got over that, y'all just decided to go ahead and get married at the same time. Y'all didn't change the date two weeks later. Yeah, No, we did not change the date. We still got married um, three weeks later. We did it. I was pregnant, actually, with our son. Nobody really knew I was pregnant because I wasn't really showing that much. And I didn't tell a whole lot of people so I was pregnant. you pregnant with the second child? Yes, our son. And um, so, yeah. And so now you get pregnant. It's a trip. You're getting, you're getting pregnant in trauma. It's like the first time you got pregnant, you're passing women down the stairwell or passing them as you leave. Y'all making y'all uh, D appointments. Yeah, and right. so And so then you end up eight getting o'clock. pregnant. You said 8 o'clock. That was your standing appointment. <laughs> 8 o'clock. On what day was it? Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. <laughs> you know, listen, before that her song came out about, you know, only on the weekend, listen, there was already... That was already going on. That was already going on in your <laughs> I life. I had to renounce that. By the way, that is not okay behavior. I do not endorse that behavior. I'm just testifying. You're testifying right yeah. now. <laughs> and so, so you had your standing appointment, and then you end up getting pregnant, and then he, I don't know what motivated him, but he will have to tell that story of what made him decide, well, let me marry her. Yeah, I'm you not know, sure what, what was really his, prompted him. Was his him. family that told him that? Was it, he always promised himself that he'll never have a kid out of wedlock? I don't know what his journey is. Well, uh, well, I don't know, like, all of his story, but from just some conversations that we had, it was like when we were in college, I always said that um, I would leave and go back to Denver if, like, the certain situations happen. I'm leaving, I'm taking the baby with me, and I think and that scared him. So I think he was... It was like, okay, I'm he's living his best life and I'm sitting up here allowing it, yeah. right? Cuz I'm a willing participant. And now <laughs> and so he's almost in fear that I'm going to leave cuz now I I've sat down and had a conversation with his mom and I'm like I don't have 7 years additional years to give him. I'm I'm tired of doing this life. <laughs> you know what his mama him. told him too, is that like, baby? Right. And she uh, and I believe she did because he brought that up to me like, man, you told my mom this. And I'm like, how do you okay, your mom clearly told you that. So cool. So clearly there was a conversation, but I don't know that necessarily that that motivated him per se. But um I think it was a combination of like his mom told him what I said and then I whatever I said in college where I'm like, I will leave mm-hmm. you or whoever I'm with, I will leave and take this baby with me and go back to Colorado, have my mama and my people out mm-hmm. there help me raise this child. We've been doing it, you know, yeah, <laughs> that yeah, mentality. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was like, I can't absolutely, he, he can't have that. He wants to be involved and all that. So I think all of those at least played a factor into it. So now you're pregnant. People don't know it. You're walking down the aisle Y'all just dealt with some stuff three weeks prior. Um, You have reason to believe that this other woman that you already know he messed around with, she's posting stuff for the world to see on Instagram, hearts around it. He behind her, they taking his picture. He tried to hide the actual haircut appointment. And so you already suspect about that. You get married um, that day. Was that a day of wedded bliss? Were you happy that you try to put everything behind the veil and said, I'm going to put all the past behind us. We're going to start afresh. We're going to start anew. And uh, I am now Mrs. Jackson. Call me Miss Jackson if you're nasty. Yes. Yes. <laughs> all of the above. Now, I was so excited to be getting married. And, um, again, my mentality at that time was more like, I'm getting married. All the, everything is like my dream wedding. And I won. Um, I, I won. won. And so everything is falling into place. 
um, the, the only agitation I had was because I was pregnant and I was hungry. And, you know, the wedding timeline sometimes, you know, you be hungry. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm pregnant. I'm actually six months pregnant at this point. You were six months? Six and I, nobody could really tell. Like, people were like, are she pregnant or is she not pregnant? Like, that's how you it was. six months. Six months. So I wasn't necessarily showing as as, as much um, as I could have. <laughs> After that, Dude. though, I was like, people were like, what happened? <laughs> y'all honeymoon, boy. <laughs> right. Y'all was lit. <laughs> right. I don't know what y'all did to y'all honeymoon. <laughs> right. And so um, that day, though, it was great. Like, it was like everything was coming in, in into place. The Outside of, of course, like I said, being hungry and then with a little bit of agitation because he had already been pre-gaming with like, you know, having a couple of drinks with his friends, you know, the best <laughs> man. So I was like, I was upset first off because I can't drink <laughs> and I could taste the alcohol in your breath. <laughs> you, first, know? you may now kiss the bride. you like, God, it tastes like Jack Daniels. Right, exactly. <laughs> I was like, that's the first thing I said. I was like. You what you you been you been drinking you know and you know pregnant women they like have a sensitivity to every like smell and taste and like, is that <laughs> what year is that <laughs> you know <laughs> and so um, but no it was great it was it was everything that I could have um, dreamed of in that moment so after that I do was everything going great for a period of time was there a period of time of wedded bliss. Don't say define what wedded bliss is. Okay, no, <laughs> we're not gonna do that then. So, wedded bliss. Um, was it happy? Was it like, oh, he stopped? He ain't. He ain't. I don't, I don't, I'm not threatened by other women that he's bringing into the relationship. No. We're good. He's thriving. He's doing these car videos, and he's he's thriving, inspiring millions of women across the world. And he's treating me the same way as what he's telling other women to accept treatment as. He's honoring me as his queen. I'm his wife, and he's treating me accordingly. Okay. So no. <laughs> No, it was not. And I, I wish it had been. But so after that, we, you know, we went on our honeymoon. That was great. Um, even at the honeymoon, it was like he was on his phone a lot. And so, you know, I felt some type of way about that. But I like, you know, whatever, you know, he has to worry because, you know, look at look at the life I'm living. You know, like you, I got caught up in like, oh, look at the I never experienced anything like this before. Explain what that because people don't understand what you mean by that life. What so, life are you living? OK, so there is a life of glam and rich riches and, and um, fame. Like when you have some status, it comes with stuff. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it comes with access to stuff. It comes to with like this extra treatment. It comes with money. You know, I had not experienced any type of level of that. And I'm like, I do all them Disney movies paying off. I'm living the life of the rich and famous. Look at look at him. He's fine and he's doing this. And I get to stay at home. And like I am a I was a whole Atlanta housewife without being on the show. Right? <laughs> whole out here. And so whole Atlanta housewife. Whole Atlanta housewife. No show. No show. <laughs> Behind the scenes. <laughs> right? <laughs> no status. And right? So you were running the business though, right? You were doing the back end stuff? Yes. Behind the scenes. Um, I was doing the customer service. I was hiring people for for his team, adding people on there. Um all of all of that. I had to get some help. I hired a couple of people to like help take some things off of my plate because there was so much he was growing so fast with all the different aspects of it of, of his business but no it wasn't just marital bliss um there was a lot of 
women that were he was still at minimum having conversation with and that I caught him with. And I was just like, this cannot happen. We say caught him. You caught him having a conversation? Yes. Like he's literally texting him them while we're in the band. I'm like, why is this name in there? Why are you still talking to her? I thought I had told you how I felt about this. And this is where I had still in a toxic way, but I had started being a little bit more vocal on the toxic side (laughs) of saying, hey, this is not okay. (laughs) You know, essentially I was expressing at the root of it, this is not okay. And I feel some type of way about it, but it wasn't in a healthy way. I could have done it a lot better (laughs) than what I did. But um there was, there was that. And then with that, it was like, you're insecure. You know, I have to do business. These are business people. I built these relationships. I'm like, well, nobody told you to mix business and pleasure. So if you have business with them, that means guess what? You shouldn't, you need to cut all business ties. This is not a relationship that you can have. Right. And so that caused a lot of just friction and it became, you know, I'm insecure. I'm, I'm unhealed. You know, people change, but I need to figure out my own stuff, which I mean, those things are true. I do. I was insecure. (laughs) I did need to I did need to um, figure out some things like within myself to be more secure and and at least to come to him assertively and be able to communicate um, in a more healthy manner. But it still did not pacify or negate the fact that these conversations and these relationships should not be existing so there was both of those dynamics happening at the same time and I didn't have the words or the tools to be able to really navigate that the best way that I could have so to be clear at this point year what year are we talking about year one or two this is year. this is the first so the first year first first couple of months first (laughs) couple of months you hadn't caught him no more videos in his phone sleeping with nobody nobody sending you videos and pictures that he had been cheating on you just inappropriate conversations inappropriate conversations at this point um a lot of them <laughs> and so i mean there were so many to where i i'm i'm coming off of just having a baby right or having a, my second child i had severe postpartum actually with both children so just think of all the trauma that we're unpacking mm-hmm. already that never really dealt with severe postpartum where I was on medication I for like eight nine months on medication and going to <laughs> going to the um, medical therapy that I had to go through just for being on post for postpartum depression so all of this stuff is happening and it was in that time where um apparently more of the conversations and trans transformed into more than conversations and I didn't find out about it, though, until, you know, like later months on. later. But that is around the time where th- those conversations became more than conversations again and and started to be um, physical things. So, so we're going to stop right now and we're going to come back. We're going to come back tomorrow for the infamous bonnet video that yes. you participated in you always say you're a willing participant and this is an opportunity again where you are a willing participant uh but thank you so much for sharing and unpacking what you've done thus far and uh the next episode we're gonna deep dive a little bit so i want you to tune in tomorrow for part two uh where danea jackson (laughs) call her miss jackson if you're freaky uh, or if you're nasty, right? You know right. Call you Miss Jackson if you're nasty, huh? That's what I. That's what I was claiming. <laughs> so tune in tomorrow <laughs> to watch part two of this. Uh, Danea Jackson shares yes. her truth. Yes.
Ladarian thrusted suddenly into Child Protective Services in 2015. My nephew, black, a boy. The likelihood of being adopted outside of kinship, slim to none. Armani, 16 years old, black, a boy, with five years in the foster care system before I even knew his name. The likelihood of ever being adopted, yep, you guessed it, slim to none. While Ladarian and Armani were trying to survive and barely thrive in an overpopulated and underfunded foster care system, I was living my own life, doing well professionally. Having been a single father with a daughter who at that point was doing well in college, it was my time to live my life, right? Wrong. I felt unsettled, tireless, agitated. There are just too many of our black children stuck in ambiguity and in the limbo of the foster care system. In 2017, I legally adopted my nephew, Ladarian. Fast forward to 2019, I had no ties to this other young king, but I felt God instructed me to adopt him also, and I obeyed. Starting over with parenting should have been enough, right? Working with various foster care and adoption agencies to help bring awareness to the countless young black kings in the foster care system should have decreased my agitation, right? Joining the board of directors of Advantage Adoption, an organization that helps find permanent adoptive homes for children in foster care, should have led to some type of resolve, right? No, not at all. None of it felt like I had done enough. I now realize that every one of those experiences was laying the fundamental foundation for my life's mission, Kingdom Royale. Kingdom Royale will be a luxury, state-of-the-art home for foster boys. Our first location will be in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We will utilize the whole person approach that instills identity, empowers them to advocate for themselves, and enlightens them regarding new perspectives and limitless options that they thought were impossible. Though the young kings will attend the local public schools that are in proximity to Kingdom Royale, our at-home curriculum will broaden their worldview through participating in the arts, attending various cultural events, learning about and engaging in multifaceted discussions about current events and even relevant historical contexts, introducing them to gardening and landscaping and even caring for our animals on our farm and on-site stables. We just launched our startup capital campaign with the goal of raising $2.8 million. Now, why $2.8 million? Well, in 2017, I created a web series in which I performed random acts of kindness for targeting the homeless community. One of the most notable successes was that one of the videos went viral, garnering 28 million views. However, one of my biggest regrets is that I didn't raise a single dollar to help in implementing a more sustainable plan for the homeless community. So throughout the years, with much remorse, I reflected on not maximizing that moment. I knew if at that time, just 10% of the viewers donated $1, we would have raised at least $2.8 million that could have really established long-term support for the homeless community, or at least started a long-term initiative to do so. This is my do-over. This is our new beginning. Together, we can attack this at the root by specifically helping our homeless black boys who are already disproportionately represented in the American foster care system. I'm Latarius R. Whitfield. I've been nominated for three regional Emmys documenting my work with the homeless as well as my personal adoption journey. Despite those accolades, the greatest award for me is truly providing the infrastructure for a transformed life. 
Visit KingdomRoyale.com for more details. Crown a king and make a donation today. Man, this episode was absolutely amazing. I just, I'm so humbled by the fact that Danea saw that the Dear Future Wifey podcast will provide a safe space for her to share her truth when so many people have been asking her to share her story. It's been absolutely amazing. Um, wow, I mean, her transparency touched me a lot, which is a perfect transition for this healing retreat that we're doing in November. November the 9th to the 12th, we'll be at the LeBlanc and Los Cabos, Mexico. Make sure you join us. There's going to be a link in the description of this YouTube video. Make sure that you uh, register. A lot of times, well, what happened in Jamaica, a lot of y'all found out after the fact, and y'all were upset, y'all were begging, can y'all please squeeze one more in, um, and we just couldn't. So now I'm giving you a notice. You're hearing it in this episode. Go ahead, visit the link in the in the description and register for your spot to join us in Los Cabos, Mexico. Healing Retreat. I'm bringing my boy, uh, Bashe Williams. He's going to be our on-site therapist. I can't wait till y'all experience this. We're going to be healing the mind, body, and soul. So uh, something that you definitely want to be a part of. Well, here's my favorite part of the podcast where I speak to my future wifey. Dear future wifey, trauma. I can't imagine all that you've been through before our I do. However, one promise I made to you is not to reintroduce trauma into your life. I can't prevent disappointments, but I can prevent being the initiator of trauma. Trauma is defined as a deeply distressing or disturbing experience. It is my goal to be an oasis for your soul. Find solace in my consistency. Find refuge in the safety of my love. I will bring healing to your life by transparency, vulnerability, and unconditional covering. I'm looking forward to loving you to life, your future hubby. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Dear Future Wifey podcast. Remember, be lit, live intentionally and transparently, and don't stop loving. Make sure to subscribe to our Dear Future Wifey YouTube channel. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Stitcher. We welcome your support. Simply share our podcast with your friends and family. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.